Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. I'm your host, James Dreer. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the one and only Trey Jose. How's it going? And Mr. Tyler Big Irby Erbach himself. What's up? Today uh, today we got a little uh, looking into the future episode. We're going to list our top 15 consensus running back PPR rankings. Uh, we all developed our own list and, and came together to develop a consensus list of the top 15. We're going to go through all those players today and probably argue on some of these guys. But uh, that's pretty much our plan, right? Yeah, yeah that's the plan. <laughs> Uh, let's go ahead and let's jump into the first one, which there will be no argument because we all had him ranked number one. Yeah. Good old Christian McCaffrey. Pretty pretty uh, unanimous over here, I think, throughout the really the whole fantasy landscape. Christian McCaffrey is the consensus number one overall. Uh, running back for next year, obviously they're gunning hard for a new quarterback, but I think even if, you know, Teddy's there next year, as long as Christian stays healthy, He's got a pretty good shot of being the number one overall running back. What are your guys' thoughts? Any thoughts uh, on Christian? Yeah, I mean, I think this is – we saw what Mike Davis did in this offense last year with Matt Rule, and, I mean, no one's saying that Mike Davis is good at Christian McCaffrey. This is, you know, easy – you know, he's in, he should be number one, especially in that offense, regardless who the quarterback is. If they, get, if they bring in, like, someone like Deshaun Watson, if they make that kind of trade, that only expands his role, I think, and makes the offense even more potent overall. That is interesting. I haven't thought about Watson going to them. That that would <clears throat> that would really change things. McCaffrey's just a no-brainer, kind of what you were saying. Just imagine everything Mike Davis did, but better. It's just, that's all that's going to exactly. happen. You're just, imagine all those stats and inflate them, and that's what you're going to get. Yep, and uh, there's obviously been some rumors about you know Christian going to Houston in a big package for Deshaun Watson as well, but I, I don't see the Panthers really giving up that much. I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson is game changing, but you give up your your number one playmaker on offense. You know, you really have to rethink your entire offense game plan with Matt Rule. So, uh, easy number one overall, Christian McCaffrey. Let's move on. Number two, um, the overall consensus was Alvin Kamara. I think Tyler, you had him. You had him at number two on your I list. Did. Yes, I did. Uh, what did Trey? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I was trying to give you a little visual cue there, but yeah. So uh, I had Kamara a little lower than uh, you guys did. I have him at five. Um, the only reason I have him at five is because I'm taking a little bit of a risk. But I, I just think that the four people I have before him are going to do way better as far as Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, and obviously we got CMC at one. I'm probably going to be wrong on this one, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest, but right now, my, my way too early uh, rankings, I, I got him below Jonathan Taylor, and I have him at five, yeah. Yeah, I think the... <laughs> Trey's rankings goes... are changing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> He's already, already switching it up. Go ahead. No, Tyler, what's your counter-argument? Why do you have uh, Alvin at two? I mean, you are, he was the number one running back in fantasy last year, um, and, and that was with three different quarterbacks playing for him, you know. Hanging the ball, passing it off. Uh, Michael Thomas should be back, hopefully healthy all year, unlike he, unlike this year. But he's still Alvin Kamara is the center point, the you know number one option on that offense, and it's going to be that way regardless of who the quarterback is. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more wary of the quarterback situation in New Orleans. I think 
I mean, I think I saw a, a statistic with Alvin Kamara when when Drew Brees was on the field, he averaged twenty plus points a game. Without without Drew Brees on the field, I think it was around like twelve or thirteen points per game. So obviously a big difference there. And I don't know. I mean, New Orleans is in cap a pretty tough cap situation. The worst cap situation in yeah, the NFL. The worst cap situation in the NFL. Um, so it begs to you question whether or not Jameis Winston is willing to come back and sign another prove it deal or not. Um, I think if Taysom Hill is the quarterback, there's definitely some big concerns there. I have Alvin Kamara at three overall still on my list, but I think if Taysom Hill's the starter, he looks to run more than check down like Drew Brees was, you know, throughout the entire season, just check down machine to Alvin Kamara. You know, if, if Jameis is there, I could definitely see that same type of offense happening. I could see Jameis checking down a lot to Alvin Kamara after watching Drew Brees do it all year. But if Taysom Hill's there and, and their guy, that's what kind of worries me for Kamara. But honestly, the reason I'm not worried he's a about freak, so I yeah, mean, I, I, the reason I'm not worried about Hill being quarterback and like that. I mean, it's a valid argument. But you have to remember that we did that was on a you know a limited basis last year um, where they didn't have an offense put in specifically for Taysom Hill as the starter for the entire season like they normally would. I think if you go into the season knowing Taysom Hill would be your starter, Sean Payton's still going to you know move the offense around to be helpful to both of them um, and not be such a one man show like it was. Well, do you, you guys think that Jameis even has a chance? I thought isn't Taysom making like sixteen million? Yeah, they they're paying Taysom Hill way too much money. To so get why, back why would you yeah. give Jameis a chance if you have? Because he's the better invested? quarterback. He's the better quarterback. But it's one of those situations, you know, where you gave someone so much money that it's like, how are you going to justify it by starting Jameis? Well, and, and can they even pay Jameis again next year? I mean, Jameis is probably going to ask for more than a million dollars. I imagine he didn't really prove it last year, but yeah, um, still, you know, I, I would imagine there's some other teams that might give Jameis a shot for more than a million dollars. Could it totally be. depends on his what he wants to do and where he wants to go. But yeah, going back to Hill's contract situation, like they gave him that knowing Drew Brees was going to be here this year. You know, obviously had the injuries, and they they still used him. You know, on a dozen or so plays per game, and they, they like him for other things other than just being a quarterback. And sure, Champagne loves him. I don't know if Champagne. If I really believe Champagne's saying he's the quarterback of the future for them, though. Yeah. He's shown he's not a very good quarterback. He's an amazing athlete. That's why they play him all over the field. Well, and, and that's, I think, where he's better suited, right, is that, you know, Swiss Army knife rather than your 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 QB1, right? Yeah. Agreed. So the consensus is if Breeze stays, Kamara rises. If Breeze stays, if Breeze stays, Kamara is my number one overall. <laughs> above Christian, above everyone, because it's just going to be – check down heaven for Alvin Kamara and he's going to make people miss and make plays. I mean, if Drew Brees stays, which I don't think he will or should, uh, yeah, I would put him up at number one. I mean, it's, that's their, that was their entire offensive game plan, you know? Really so was. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I, like we said, a lot to be determined in the off season. This is, we're recording this on March 6th. So, and Drew Brees still hasn't retired. So who knows actually at this point, what's going to happen. But you know, the interesting thing about what Drew Brees too, he did restructure his contract for this year to take the veteran minimum, even though he's had inside of he's coming back or not. And he did that specifically to help the team with their cap situation. Yeah. So it's very interesting. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means he'll come back, 
but he certainly still has it in the back of his mind that he may come back, and he's still trying to help the team anyways. Right. So it's a really interesting situation to, you know, pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to our number three running back. Uh, overall, we have Dalvin Cook slotted in uh, number three. And obviously, he's a stud. Uh, the main concern for me is injury concern and volume. I mean, he just, uh, what do you have? Uh, he definitely had 300 plus last year, 312 attempts last year. Uh, he's the vocal point of their offense. I have, personally, I have uh, Derrick Henry at number two on my list above Dalvin Cook. Uh, but give me your guys' thoughts on Dalvin Cook. Well, I think Trey, Trey's the highest on Dalvin Cook, so let him go up first on, on his reasoning. Yeah, so I got Dalvin over here at number two. Um, it's kind of an oxymoron that I put him that high because I think it's interesting that Gary Kubiak retired and that's who was calling the plays for him. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of interested in like what direction the Vikings are going to go. Isn't Kubiak Jr. I think Kubiak Jr.'s taken over and they, they already said publicly, I'm pretty sure that they want to stick to the same offensive scheme next year for at least 2021. So we're talking like a Shanahan dynasty here kind of thing. Like, like <laughs> yeah, the same type of but, offense as dad. I mean, no one's saying the Kubiaks are on the same level as the Shanahan's, but... <laughs> right. We're talking about like a legacy, right? Like the son kind of picks up where his dad left off right. and adapts it to the, the current game. So, yeah. okay, that, that, that kind of makes me feel a little better about where I have him at. He, he's just he's just too productive and, you know, with the loss of... Um, Stefan Diggs and then Justin Jefferson emerging. I, I think that it'll continue to allow him to have great rushing opportunities with two great receivers. Um, tight end should be interesting. I think, uh, isn't uh, TJ Hawkinson a free agent this year? Uh, TJ Hawkinson is in, is in Detroit. Yeah. And well, he's, a, he's, on, he's a rookie, or he's in, only in his second year. So oh, okay. he's well, Yanni Smith is a free agent. Yanni Smith that is a guy, free agent. That could really make their offense good. I just think Dalvin Coach is going to be a great running back with what they have around him and. He's just too consistent. He gets better every year. His stats continue to increase. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings did just release release Kyle Rudolph, um, who's mm-hmm. been their number one tight end for like a decade. Um, they have Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama probably taking a spot, who's a better pass catcher than Rudolph is. Rudolph is your better overall. So we'll see where that goes. But um, I'm with James in terms of my biggest concern with Dalvin Cook is injury. Last year was the only year he was actually stayed healthy for the entire season. And so we'll see where that goes. That's, I mean, he this is what his fourth year in the league, and he's only played like half the year in two of those seasons. So it's a little scary to to be able to put that much into him and to take him in, let's say, you know, the top five of the draft. Yeah, that's that's why I have personally, I have Christian, Derrick Henry, and, and Alvin above Dalvin Cook, just because I feel like those three guys are more sure things for a full season. Uh, Dalvin Cook has some some serious injury uh history so that's the only thing that concerns me obviously if he's on your your squad you're you're sitting pretty at your rb1 spot but um just injury concern uh moving on to our number four overall back is uh the king himself derrick henry um i personally have him at number two i think behind mccaffrey i think mccaffrey and, and henry for me are in their own tier um, for next year as of right now depending on what happens in new orleans alvin could could move up into that tier uh but derrick henry i think you know if you had him on your team last year trey you can, can you can uh talk to that um you were pretty much uh, a shoo-in for the for the championship 
I just, you know, he's the vocal point of their offense. They lost their offensive coordinator, obviously, but but it wasn't as if Tennessee fired him because they want to change their entire offense up. Uh, he he's going on to become the head coach of the new uh, of the Falcons. Um, I think Rabel, you know, it's the entire identity of the team, Derrick Henry, um, to be the vocal point of their offense. I think we see another, you know, huge year, 330-plus touches uh, for Derrick Henry. And um, if you have him on your team in the playoffs, um, you're, you know, you're, you got a real good shot of, of going all the way. So Derrick Henry for me is number two. Uh, Trey, you have him lower than that. Where did you have him? I'm at three, just a little bit lower. Kind of what you were saying, um, I have like my own first tier of running backs, I guess, would, would be these three, uh, my top three. CMC, Dalvin Cook, and then Derrick Henry. That, that's tier one. I think those are guys, if you draft them, you're, you're pretty much 100% on like you have a great RB1 all year and you're set. You can't really go wrong drafting any of those three guys. I have Derrick Henry a little lower because he poses less of a pass-catching threat than the other two, but obviously his touches are insane. And it's like, man, if this guy could just, like, I'm not sure if he even is trying to develop it or if they're interested in developing it, but if he gets some sort of, like, <laughs> pass-catching ability, some sort of a little bit of a threat, you know, it could just expand things so much more. And he's yeah. never had more than, I think, 18 catches in a year, which is one and a half a game or something, not even. Yeah, it's like, just it's one. like one a game. <laughs> yeah. 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 He had 19 uh, receptions last year, 31 targets, but 378 rushing attempts. And the next closest was Dalvin Cook with 312. So, and him and Dalvin were the only guys that are 300 plus on rushing attempts. Yeah, you, you you don't see that much anymore in today's NFL. Yeah, um, and that's my biggest concern with Derek. Henry. I have Derek Henry a little lower than both of you. I'm not rated at five. I mean, slightly because of the new off the corner. I know they're not going to change a lot. I mean, as James said, it is their identity. But I can see them be like, hey, we need to pull back these touches a little bit because we want him to, you know, survive. Yeah. I mean, I, he's – he's if you include playoffs and, you know, and his pass catching or whatever, you know, it's just a few per game. You're talking about close to 400 touches for two seasons in a row. Right. I mean, I don't know the history on that, but that doesn't sound like many running backs have done that. If the ones who have, I'm sure they had some, like, catastrophic injury the next season. I mean, well, if anyone can do it and survive, it's Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's built like a freaking horse. Yeah. <laughs> well, what comes to mind when you bring that up as far as, like, um, having too many touches in such a short span of time is um, I probably have the wrong name here, but I'm thinking of, like, a Chiefs running back that uh, – is it Larry Johnson, maybe? That Larry Johnson like, and Priest Holmes, actually. I think Priest Holmes, guys that were basically ran into the ground but mm-hmm. were so productive during the time that they were healthy – yeah, and yeah, and just you, you go know, back knock like, on wood. We don't need that to happen, right? And you go, you yeah, might see it, like Sean Alexander, same way. A couple years in a row, just pound the rock, pound, 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 and you get so many touches, it accumulates really fast on running back, which is the most beat up position in the NFL. I mean, you get hit on basically every play, and when you're going through the middle like that, and you have you know linebackers in the middle like Bobby Wagner or you know back in the day like Ray Lewis, you have him hitting you you know 25 times a game like you're not your body just isn't going to hold up no matter if you weigh 270 pounds like Derrick Henry does. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh so moving on to our fifth and rounding out the top 5 overall consensus, we have Saquon Barkley slotted in at the number 5 overall running back for 2021 right now. Uh this matches my list pretty well. I had number I had Saquon at 5 on my list. <laughs> 
the reason why he drops, you know, from I think he was number two ADP last year going into the season, he drops on my list because I, you know, just the Giants overall as a franchise, I don't think will be very good for some time. I think drafting Daniel Jones was a bust. Um, in my opinion, I don't know if he'll ever become more than an average NFL QB. Um, so that's what we're, and obviously coming off a complete, you know, ACL tear, you know, if anyone's able to recover and, and get back to who they were pre-injury, it's Saquon Barkley, you know, freak athlete. But uh, going into every single game, he's he's the, uh, the, the guy that defenses are game planning around. Um, 100%. So that, that worries me still just based on talent alone, though. He's, he has to be in the top five, in my opinion. Uh, Tyler, what are your thoughts on Saquon? Uh, I got Saquon higher than both of you guys do. I haven't ranked it third overall on my list. I think he bounces back in a big way. Um, I think the injury only, you know, drives him to be better. And you got to remember his rookie year, he came really close to a thousand thousand season, thousand yards rushing, thousand yards receiving, which has only happened twice in the NFL now. Yeah. Um, it's pretty insane that he came that close as a rookie to do so. And that was with basically the same offense they have now. And probably worse, actually, because they, it was before Daniel Jones. I can't remember who their quarterback was his rookie year. Yeah, we'll move on from that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know who that was. <laughs> Not going to think about it. <laughs> you're uh, you're much lower on Saquon. Yeah, Trey. I want to hear, hear this uh, from Trey. I think you got, you got him slotted in at nine, right? Yeah, I got him at nine. I mean, the... Behind guys like Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubbs, and even Josh Jacobs. Yes. Yep. (laughs) I will will die on that hill. Explain yourself. I will currently (laughs) die on that hill. The easiest answer is uh, injuries. He played 13 games in the 2019 season. We all know what happened last year towards ACL, first game of the season. And there's no question that he's capable of being, you know, a top three, top five running back consistently. If he stays healthy, extremely talented. I'm I'm just worried about the injuries and the fact that he is the focal point of their offense, you know. Derrick Henry's not coming off a torn ACL and carrying the ball three hundred times, you know, like Saquon's probably going to have to. And it's just gonna it's just gonna be interesting to see how how he bounces back from that and if he can stay healthy with the amount of usage that the Giants are gonna pretty much be forced to use. Yeah. I mean, they might counter that in terms of the injury thing. Saquon Barkley is the most talented back to come out of the draft since probably Adrian Peterson in terms of just overall skill level. And we have to remember, Adrian Peterson towards ACL came back the next year, ran for more than 2,000 yards, and had an MVP season. Yeah, and I think Saquon's one of the few guys that are on that talent level he's physically. Average, he's yeah. an absolute freak of nature physically. Yeah, I mean, have you seen this dude's quads? Yeah. <laughs> no. Are we going to get into quads? Because I think I mean, quads, or even <laughs> no. Okay, someone described – I remember – it was going into his rookie year. Someone described his calves as as hams. Yeah, he said they were literally, literally the size of a ham, like a turkey sized ham. That's like <laughs> like when well, I were crossbreeding here. Yeah. <laughs> a I mean, turkey ham. You're talking about like this, ma- or I'm sorry, Thanksgiving ham. That's a turkey <laughs> ham. <laughs> sorry, a Thanksgiving sized ham, like this massive ass ham, and his those are the size of his calves. Well, some people eat ham for Thanksgiving, so don't you know. You know, that's some people's choice, right? Some people eat turkey ham. <laughs> turkey so Tyler's got Saquon at uh, number three based on his uh, ham calves. <laughs> his calves are made of ham. It's... To be fair, so far, I 
willingly took a lot of risks with my rankings. So they are going to seem kind of crazy, but you know, you scare you could, money, don't could make come no out, money. you know, more accurate than us, you know, at the end of the season. We'll obviously at the be same time, though, rankings, but if you could see Trey's hair, you know why his rankings <laughs> are crazy. It's wild. It's wild. I'm feeling electric. All right. Well, we start to film, guys. You'll understand. Pandemic's <laughs> <Pandemic laughs> wild. Pandemic's <laughs> wild. All right. Uh, moving on to number six. Um, our consensus has Jonathan Taylor slotted in at the number six overall running back for next year. What are our thoughts on Jonathan Taylor, Tyler? Uh, that's exactly where I had Jonathan Taylor was at number six. I think it's just a perfect setup. I mean, I think Carson Wentz will come back and have a much better season than he had last one, which will be good for this offense. But they're going to focus on Jonathan Taylor being the focal point of it. And we saw what he did last year. Even though it was in limited touches, we know Naheem Hines is going to, you know, poach some of those, which is because, you know, he's a fantastic outside uh, running back and, and in the passing game. But Jonathan Taylor is—he's a stud, man. Yeah. He, just, he just really is, and I think if Carson wants, especially if Carson wants comes back and to Carson wants a couple of years ago when he had Frank Reich as his offense coordinator, who's still there being his head coach, have the right scheme for him, and that opens up the offense even more. I think that it makes it even better for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Just show. What about you, Trey? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I like Jonathan Taylor. It's. I'm a little wary of him, kind of what you were saying with Naheem, Naheem Hines being behind him. I mean, he's a fan favorite in Indianapolis, and that, that itself can get you pretty far with the team. And the fact that he's right behind him, I, ah, man. It's, the reason I like Jonathan Taylor so much is his yards per carry and a great offensive line. And I think as the season progresses, they're just going to they're gonna lean more on him and less on Hines. Yeah, sure. Jonathan Taylor last year, he finished as the number six overall uh, PPR running back in terms of fantasy points. Uh, so a strong finish, obviously, to the year for Jonathan Taylor. 232 attempts overall uh, on the ground, which actually was only eight less than James Robinson in Jacksonville. So I think uh, the production we saw towards the end of the season continues into next year. The biggest question mark is quarterback. That's really the only thing this team needs. So, you know, is Carson Wentz going to be a threat through the air? Um, and really, you know, test defenses and, and um, force them to respect Carson Wentz again. That's the biggest question mark. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's their their number one guy, but Naeem Hines is still there, and he's there. You know, receiving back. We saw he got. It was frustrating even last year watching. We're like. <laughs> You know, quick giving Hines the ball, man. <laughs> that's you know, that's that's yeah. That was the overall feeling, of course, for fantasy uh, people like ourselves. But Naheem's Hines will still get some work there. But Jonathan Taylor, I think, is a pretty strong con- candidate for finishing in the top ten next year. Uh, well, I think he's guaranteed. I think he's guaranteed yeah, top ten. Guaranteed top ten. But I think he's probably pushing top five. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he we pushed top five last year, and that's in. I mean, you said he ranked sixth, and actually he had more touches than I even thought he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just off the top, of my, off you know, remembering back. But I feel like the offense will be even more focused towards him going forward. You know, maybe he gets an extra twenty to thirty touches on the season, yeah. and I think that puts him in the top five. Yeah, yeah, I think he could easily finish in the two fifty range on rushing attempts next year if they, you know, increase his workload just a little bit. Um, so and and he did get forty targets through the air last year. So and that might be because Philip Rivers was their quarterback. 
but that hater still i mean well hey old man rivers dude just check him down you know him and breeze well i was going to expand on that like with the, the doubts on carson wentz is i think we're forgetting how philip rivers wasn't <clears throat> wasn't his you know he, he's older last year and he was very turnover prone so it wasn't well, like philip year. rivers was really like last year Last year, no, last year he was very unturnover prone compared to the rest of his, of his career. The year before when he was in San Diego. He's finally checking down. Yeah. Not... Yeah, last year, Philip Rivers, I, I knew going to, to play with Frank Reich, Philip Rivers would have a, probably one of the better seasons he's had in a long time, and he did. He still threw, I think, like 15 t- picks, but that's like, he was averaging about 20, uh, you know, heading into that season, so he had he'd certainly improved. Right. I just think, you know, we got Philip Rivers kind of so much higher than Carson Wentz when really they're almost like, and similar in a way of like they can be yeah. game managers you don't expect a lot from them. you just want them to play the position and allow your team to win somehow and this is a team with a great defense i know we'll get to this later but you know jim you really like cam makers because of how especially how good their defense is which means they'll get the ball back more yeah indianapolis was the number one scoring fantasy defense last year which doesn't really prove how good of a defense is but it does show their defense is great they are considered one of the greatest defenses so he's just going to get the ball more and more yeah. Uh, moving on to seven, we have uh, Mr. Elliot Ezekiel Elliott slotted in at seven on our consensus rankings. Obviously, uh, last year was quite the roller coaster ride for Ezekiel Elliott owners. Um, with Dak Prescott in, I think through the first five weeks, he was averaging over twenty fantasy points per game, and then that plummeted once Dak suffered his injury so for me obviously Zeke's production next year really relies on Dak's health and how he comes back from the injury if he gets a new contract if he gets tagged again um, that's all still up in the air so any thoughts on Ezekiel Elliott being at seven do you like it don't like it um I honestly I 100% agree he is a hundred percent reliant on whether Dak Prescott's there. Clearly, after Dak left and they had a quarterback who literally could not get the ball to a receiver to save their lives, the teams were putting like nine people in the box. So even though they had such good weapons on the outside, Dallas does with Amari Cooper and Gallup and C.D. Lamb. If you don't have a quarterback who can get them the ball, it doesn't matter. Right. And then, and on top of that, Zeke also made it worse on himself. He had seven fumbles last year. Which I think matched like his career total. Yeah. I don't know why he became like Mister Butterfingers all of a sudden. Right. Um, but that doesn't change, and it's not going to matter who they have at running back because or at quarterback because turnovers are going to kill anything he does. Plus, you know, you you miss two points every time you fumble the ball as yeah. a fantasy owner. Yeah, it's huge. that's killer. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. I mean, uh, the funny, crazy thing is Zeke Elliott is only twenty five years old. You know, um, which kind of surprised me. He just feels older than that for some reason uh but still only 25 years old i think definitely has a chip on his shoulder after you know last year all the fumbles and everything um it just totally depends on what dallas does with their quarterback and hopefully dak comes back and is the quarterback there but that's still up in the air yeah you guys covered all the bases that i completely agree with if dak's there and their o-line manages to stay healthy I think he returns to his former self in a way, 
what kind of draws me back is like the Dallas games I was watching last year, maybe this is a result of them stacking the box because they know their passing game was just like non-existent. He, he just looked like he lacked like, the, um, I'm not sure what the right word is like the, the enthusiasm, yeah, effort, enthusiasm, <laughs> yeah. you know, he didn't look like he was really, you know, trying as hard as he could be. And that really like discouraged me as like looking at him and like wanting to own someone like that in fantasy. I, that was just really discouraging for me to see. And that's the only reason he went down to 10 for me is because of like the way he was running when they, when the team was bad is if it kind of indicates a little bit of like his, um, mentality i'm not sure yeah. how to explain that yeah you know? no, it, no, it no. seems like he's easily uh can be emotionally affected by things and i don't like that in my rb1 right. so that's why he went so far down for me for sure i think you hit the nail on the head with that, with that one um, i didn't put much thought into my rankings with in terms of like his mentality but that's a great point yeah um you're absolutely right in terms of like when they were loading the box like he looked like he was just uninterested in even trying to be out there yeah didn't want to be out there that's why pollard started getting touches because he was running hard, yeah. and Zeke wasn't. So exactly. is he kind of like a, a Jared Goff type of guy? You know, I'll shout out another podcast here. But anyway, we, they talk about it on Pat McAfee all the time. You know, Jared Goff, watch him in the game. Look at his face, and you can tell if they're going to win the game or not. Yeah. You know, is, is Zeke going to be like the running back version of that? Like, you can tell instantly, like, okay, he's going to be great this game, or he's going to be bad. That very well could be. Um, that's, that's a great point. And also, you brought up the offensive line, which is another really good point, because Last year they had you know a ton of injuries, but now like they've had people ret- retire yet early before we thought, um, and then the rest of their guys for the most part they're getting a little older. They're not like that that top tier offensive line that we've seen for the last like you know the, prior to last season, like four or five years in a row I mean, they had like the best offensive line in the league. You know and if that starts to deteriorate, then maybe Zeke's not as good as we thought. Maybe a lot of that was a byproduct of having the best blocking in the league. Yeah. For sure. Uh, continuing on, number eight uh, on our consensus rankings, we have Aaron Jones, obviously the unrefricted, unrestricted <laughs> free agent. Freaking. Uh, he's freaking doing something, dude. For me, uh, I actually have Aaron Jones at six on my own personal list, and the reason why is um, he's just a, a playmaker, and, and I think um, if – I think it's more likely that he won't be returning to Green Bay unless they franchise tag him. I think that's the only way they could bring him back. Uh, But Aaron Jones obviously wants a long-term deal, wants to get paid, deservingly so. Um, And so for that, I think wherever he goes, he's automatically going to become their number one guy, right? Their number one playmaker. If he goes down to Miami – if he goes, I've even heard talks about Arizona. I don't know how feasible that is now with J.J. Watt getting signed, but um, obviously the Jets uh, are in contention. No, not the Jets. <laughs> I, if Aaron Jones goes to the Jets, I'm dropping him in my yeah, ring. The well, Jets do want a running back. But that's the thing is, is you know, <laughs> if he goes there, he's automatically their guy, right? Same kind of well, deal. Well, so was Le'Veon Miami, Bell. We saw that work. Yeah, I, I know it's a new. I knew it's a head coach. Honestly, but completely different players. Le'Veon's washed, in my opinion. Aaron Jones, obviously, still in. I don't his know, prime. Le'Veon Bell's washed at like twenty-eight. Yeah, <laughs> washed. With, with Aaron is. Jones, honestly, I think we could. He's super. He's the most interesting person of the offseason, I think, as far as like running. Well, you have him really low. You only had him ranked twelfth compared to what James yeah. I have him. So I, I did have him ranked twelfth, a little lower. And kind of like Jim said, he, he is linked to the Dolphins, the Jets, and apparently the Buccaneers, which is interesting. Apparently, Bruce Arians isn't sold on Ronald Jones, which 
contradicts like what I read in articles from Bruce Arians saying himself that he loves Ronald Jones. So it's, it's kind of weird, and, and uh, Leonard Fournette's out of there, so I don't know how that is. But Aaron Jones, uh, I mean, I, if he goes to the right team, he could really be a, a great person, great running back as far as James is saying. But, ah, uh, man, it's just, <laughs> if he goes to the Jets, he's, I think he's screwed. I think he's screwed. But if he goes to the Bucks, he's in a committee, so he's screwed, right? The best situation for him is the Dolphins. If he goes to the Dolphins, I put him probably in the top ten. That I'm moving him up. Dolphins is a very interesting bit. If he goes to the Dolphins, plus they have that that third overall pick, which they'll probably use. I mean, most mock drafts have him picking um, Lamar, not not the receiver from LSU who sat out this year. I think maybe it's Lamar Chase. If I'm, I might be mixing up his name, but like you add him to the the outside with Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, who's talented but hurt all the time, and Aaron Jones back at that offense is looking really, really dynamic. Yeah, um, yeah I like Aaron Jones. I'm okay. <laughs> I said no to the Jets, but if he does go to the Jets, it's probably not the worst thing. As you said, he's probably the number one. And I do – Robert Sala becoming the head coach of the Jets was my favorite hire of the offseason. Yeah. I think Robert Sala is going to be a brilliant head coach. And I think he's exactly what the Jets need, somebody who can actually create a real culture yeah. and not have so much distraction going on. Yep. So – uh, Aaron Jones, if he goes to the Jets, I'll probably drop him a little bit, but not a ton. I, I like your if he goes to, If he goes to Miami, I might move him up a little bit. Um, I actually already had him ranked at 7th. I, I had him ahead of Zeke. And so, I mean, I kind of already have him higher, like a little higher than I think both you guys did. And I don't know how much more I could rank him up, but, you know, maybe a spot. I would move him in front of Saquon personally if he goes to the Dolphins. You have him in front of Oh, you don't right now. No, I have, have 12. Him. Saquon's in 9. Like I said, I'm taking risks, folks, but, you know, I'm feeling pretty confident about my what Still I'm predicting. Frisky. I am. I'm feeling, feeling fricky, <laughs> as Jim would say. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Jones, I, I think it's undeniable what he can do on the field. Five and a half yards per attempt last year was more than Kamara, more than Cook. Um, Derrick Henry was at 5.4. Um, he finished number five overall um, last year on the on uh, for fantasy points overall. So... Uh, if he goes back to Green Bay, obviously, I mean, he's, I think, guaranteed top five, but uh, slim chance of that happening. Um, so moving on to number nine overall, we have uh, Mr. Austin Eckler himself. Um, thoughts on Eckler, <laughs> Trey? Oh, sorry. oh, I got many, many thoughts, okay? <laughs> you guys both know I love Austin Eckler. I was on the Eckler train years ago when he first was getting started with the Chargers. I just, I, and that was back when we were a full PPR league, just to kind of uh, settle that. And he was just such a great receiving threat. I loved him. We buy Melvin Gordon back then, right? And <clears throat> so obviously he's still a major receiving threat. He missed six games last year, but now he has a new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, coming from New Orleans. And he wasn't a play caller or anything like that. But Joe Lombardi said himself that when he sees Eckler, he sees guys like Kamara, Reggie Bush, Darren Sproles. I'm just like, man, Eckler already kind of proved he is like those guys. And his offensive coordinator believes he is those guys. Mm -hmm. So why are they not going to feed this guy? Especially with Justin Herbert. Like, I, I don't think they're going to rely on Eckler to be like the focal point of their offense. But Herbert's flinging all over the place, right? So the running game is going to be open. And Eckler's a great receiver. Like, I, I just think it's a perfect storm as far as him. I haven't ranked at number six right now. 
Tyler, you got him outside of your top 10. Yeah, I got him at 11. And I'll and Trey kind of proved my point there. You know what you just said? Out of all those guys you listed that he thought Joe Lombardi thought he felt like, out of, outside of Kamara, I know what all those other guys have in common. They're all running back twos. <laughs> They're not running back ones. Reggie Bush was never number one. You know, neither was Darren Swift. Darren Swift was just gap back. Like, if that's okay. And I love Austin Eckler, too. Like, I think he's really good. But he's not built to be a number one running He's not built to take 20 to 25 touches a game. But he has proven that he can do it. Not for a full season. He did it two years ago. Not, he wasn't number one running back there, though. He's, he's still splitting. So, like, that's that's my thing. Kamara was a, is a number one. Like, that's proven at this point. The other guys weren't. And if it's great that Joe Lombardi believes in him like that. But, I mean. Yeah. He's got to stay healthy, you know. And I mean, can you really you really put Eckler on the same level as Kamara? Like just in terms of you know being a football player? Because I can't. I, I got him at number nine on my list personally. I think um, just the offense overall will improve next year. Um, the team will be better, hopefully. Um, got a stud at quarterback, so it's going to open things up for him. Um, I like Austin Eckler next year inside the top ten. Um, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, we could say that about everybody, but I think he's proven that, you know, he runs hard. He's just not a big body guy. And it's just, can he withstand that many carries yeah. throughout an entire season? Well, who, who do you think is going to take his carries? Then? Um, they have a, few, a couple guys that, you know, they're not going to like take a ton of his carries. It's not like he's, but they're just not going to give him, I feel like he's going to be stuck in that like 15 to 17 touch per game deal you're gonna give three to the guy behind him a couple to the guy behind him and then you have herbert tossing the ball around the field yeah that that correlates with last year i mean majority of his games he's between you know 12 19 rushes but then you gotta bring in those targets man i mean come on like he's getting flooded with those targets just basically doubles his touches every game with his receiving threat that's why i have him so high and it's probably the riskiest ranking i have i will admit that but that's that's the home run i'm swinging for is Eckler to finish six. <laughs> All right. Uh, so rounding out the top ten, we have uh, Nick Chubb on our consensus rankings at number ten for the Cleveland Browns. Um, obviously, Nick Chubb is is a stud, one of the best. I think. I think you could put him in top three pure runners uh, in the league for sure. Um, you know the type of guy that obviously isn't going to get you that receiving work, especially with Kamara there or not Kamara. Um, hunt there but uh you know he could bust off a 70 yard plus run at any given moment um so nick chubb for me on my personal list i actually had him at 10 as well um what are your guys thoughts uh, i was rather really i had nick chubb at 10 also and honestly if the only reason he's that low is because the president cream hunt who's also at a right. great run realistically i think last year they both finished in the top 15 at, for rankings which is crazy I have Hunt a little lower this year, but if uh, Cream Hunt's not there, Josh Jacobs is pushing a top five running back. And I don't think that's even close. Or not Josh. Did I say Josh Jacobs? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Nick Chubb. You made is, my day for a second. I know. Sorry, I'm not that high on Josh Jacobs. <laughs> if Cream Hunt's not there, Nick Chubb is pushing a top five ranking um, if he's there by himself. Yeah, so Cream Hunt finished at 10. Chubb yeah. finished at 11, right behind him. Okay, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and so... and. Kareem Hunt had a yards per attempt of 4.2. Chubb was at 5.6. Um, so I think Kareem Hunt poached a bunch of touchdowns. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny if you look at their attempts. Hunt had 198. Chubb had 190, obviously, because he was hurt. 
But Chubb finished with over a thousand yards. Kareem Hunt finished with eight hundred and forty-one. Um, so just from a pure running standpoint, obviously Nick Chubb is is the guy. But it's just how much work will Kareem Hunt take? You know. Um, but you know, either one of these guys goes down with an injury next year. Um, automatically, the other one's vaulted up to a, a top five, top three, even maybe running back. So it is kind of crazy. Like you could, if you have. If you're able to roster both those guys, oh, you can geez. still start them. You can start both, both every yeah. week. Yeah. It's crazy, and feel good about it too. Yeah, yeah. I I like Nick Chubb a lot. I am at seven, which so yeah. Now that I sit on it a little bit more, I I feel a little weird about it. But he's so productive when he's healthy. And I I was trying to look up the stats right now, where they're a little they're a little in depth in Google here, so I'm not gonna be able to find them. But off the top of the head, Nick Chubb is one of the guys who's like leading the league or second in all these crazy rushing statistics in like the last two years broken tackles the yards <clears throat> yards after contact things like that uh, rushes of 20 plus yards all these stuff that exemplify how great of an athlete he is and how great of a running back he is and i i personally hope that they just lean on him more and less on hunt obviously their running game is like unstoppable so they're not gonna why fix what's not broken right but man if they really let this guy just just give him the reins and let him go crazy. He could really have a fantastic season. Like right. He's, he's one of the you know, one of the premier running backs as far as athletic abilities. I hundred percent agree. The thing is that with like you can't justify not giving Hunt you know ten touches a game because Hunt's that good also. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, yeah, what was that? Studs. What was the Browns running game? I, I might be a little out of date on this, but was do you think that was like a result of OBJ not playing? No, because their offense got better when OBJ. Came yeah, it did get better. Yeah. So Overall, like... no, I I think because they were running, they were good running ball the entire year. Yeah. Their passing game got better when OBJ left, and I think that's more because Baker Mayfield no longer had to try to force the ball to him. And it's not like that's what there's. It's just a weird psychological thing when you have a star number one receiver, you want to get him the ball, and you start to force feed him when it's not necessary, yeah, yeah. and that's what ends up happening. So the second one, that's like when that's not there. And you can just like play a little more free. Yeah. It just opens up Go the offense. And you hear that, and you see that in in every sport. Just this year, let's just to kind of ver- give you another example. Happened this year again in Duke with Stanley Johnson. Stanley, they, they were playing poorly. They were, you know, they're still on the cusp of making the tournament. The second Stanley Johnson left, they won four in a row against like good, like against ranked teams. Right. You know, and it's like when your star player leaves, and your rest guys can just open up a little bit and not be so forced to play through the one person, it helps the team as a whole in many cases. Not all the time, and probably not even most of the time, but in some cases, yeah, you know, that that's the way it works out. Start playing a little bit more team ball. Yep. You know, a little more open game and give some other guys some shots. Um, but, you know, overall, obviously, Cleveland's very good at running the ball, and Nick Chubb's one of the best peer runners in the game, so if you can get him. You get them. Yeah. Um, Would you guys take them in the first round? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to number 11. Uh, On our consensus, we have Josh Jacobs slotted in at 11. Um, I was a little lower on him, I think. Uh, Well, I had him at 12 on my list. Um, Obviously, I think for me, the Raiders, you know, just overall is a bit of of a concern. Uh, but he's, you know, heavily used in their offense. Um, he finished at number eight overall last year with 273 rushing attempts, 
I'd love to see him get some more receiving work. I think that's what he was a specialist in in college, wasn't he? A, a... Before his breakout role, yeah, he was kind of their third down back, which is kind of crazy for how big he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he can catch the ball. Like he he's a, actually a very good pass catch, catcher. Uh, for whatever reason, I'm surprised that John Gruden hasn't implemented that more mm-hmm. to their offense because um, he has shown that he's he has good hands and he can, you know, Definitely. really break things up that way. I had Josh Jacobs a little higher than you. I had him at ninth. And it's mostly because he, he is the guy there, right? Like, yeah. no one's really taking his touches. Uh, I think he did have some injuries last year and missed a couple games. That's probably why he kind of dropped out, dropped down a little bit and just overall. But outside of Darren Waller, like, it's Josh Jacobs. Like, that's who you have, right? Like, that offense, like, there's no one else to, like, talk to or, you know, talk about in that offense besides those two guys. Right. Yeah. I, I can somewhat agree with that. Um I believe their offense is going to be significantly better this year. Um, Homer. <laughs> I, I, I will say that. I, I'm a Raiders fan, but it doesn't matter if they don't fix their defense. But anyways, back to Josh Jacobs. He had a huge regression, 4.8 yards per carry in his rookie year, finished with 3.9 last year, which is pretty discouraging. But being a Raiders fan, I, I saw every snap of pretty much every Raiders game, and their offensive line was decimated. And the offensive line was created with the – purpose of giving someone like Josh Jacobs opportunities and we had Trent Brown out Richie Incognito which is in my opinion one of the best run blocking uh, offensive linemen in the league so he he didn't have the right tools to produce like he usually does but John Gruden does love him and they're going to rebuild their offensive line so he there's I think there's absolutely no way he had a worse season than last year it's not possible he's going to do better than last year and he finished eighth you said yeah Okay, so he's only going to continue to improve. The only thing I see maybe affecting him is that uh, the guy behind him, Jalen Rashard, he's been on the Raiders for about four or five years mm-hmm. plus. I think they're kind of sick of him, and they're going to try to bring someone else in. And my worry is they're going to find someone better than Jalen Rashard that will kind of eat into the touches that Josh Jacobs is going to have. Because I think they are realizing that the, the more that uh, they're trying to build this franchise, that they're using him too much. And they don't want to run him into the ground because they want him to be there for a long time. So I, I think he, he improves, but he's not going to be like a top five guy or anything like that. He's going to be a solid like five to ten dude. Yeah. And that's, I think, where most of us have an idea of where he'll probably be. Obviously, James has just outside the top ten. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, obviously, if they do bring in someone else that's going to take more touches from him, it'd have to be a rookie. There's not – the running back free agent market isn't huge, and the ones – the free agents that are there – are bigger names. They're not. It's not going to go after a, you know an Aaron Jones. Exactly. Yeah. So it's got to be a rookie from the draft. You know, mid rounds. That's you know kind of slips a little bit. To... There, there are guys like Kenyon Drake floating around, serviceable kind of somewhat older guys. You know, and with the whole salary cap thing, like lower lower contract numbers in the right. off season. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I do see what you're saying though. Yeah, out of the out of the top ten backs last year. Josh Jacobs was the only one with a yards per attempt lower than four on the year. Uh, he finished at 3.9, but still. That's not great, though. Not that great. number is not indicative of his running ability, though. <laughs> if you have seen the man run, he is no. He's trying his hardest to be Marshawn Lynch. Totally, he keeps it going I think forward. That, that he does fall forward. That shows that their offensive line wasn't as great um, as we might think in losing – incognito and so let's see you know we got to see what they do to to replace him and and improve the offense line overall because last year obviously wasn't uh great um so 
Uh, moving on to number 12 overall, we have uh, J.K. Dobbins coming in at number 12, which um, I think I was – where was I on J.K.? I have J.K. at 14 outside of the top 12, but I think he could easily finish in the top 12 being on a run-dominant team um, if he is the focal point next year. I think we saw the proof of that towards the end of the season – he started to become that guy. Gus Edwards will probably still be there. They'll probably bring him back as kind of that role player. But J.K. is obviously their most talented running back. I think could definitely finish within the top 12. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on J.K.? Uh, go ahead, Trey. I'd like to have you jump out. I'm way below both you guys on J.K., <laughs> so I'll let him go first. Okay, well, I'm probably – I believe I would be higher. Where did you have J.K. at? Jim? I had him at 14. Okay, I got him at 11. And, I mean, the first stat I want to point out about him is six yards a carry. Like, come on. Yeah. And that's not on, like, 20 attempts. You know, he had 100-plus touches last year. And as the season progressed, they started to give him the ball more. He gained their trust. I mean, this guy was running the ball 10 times a game, and so it's been the top 20 of scorers. Yep. Like, the last five weeks of the season. And they, they only gave him, like, 12 touches. He's... Guy, he just seems like such an untapped potential. And Mark Ingram is expected to be gone. Someone I personally love, we all know that, but you know his time has came and passed. Yeah, and so you have J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and Gus Edwards, I, in my personal opinion, he could probably do something in another team if they gave him the opportunity. He's a hard runner, you know. So I, I'm a little worried about him being behind J.K. Dobbins, but J.K. Dobbins just shows so much promise on a run dominant offense. Yeah, that I, I think they're gonna like uh, they're gonna go all in on him this this season and see what he's got. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that you guys both said there was a lot of if. <laughs> if they make him the focal point of their offense. Yeah. Was he if, him or Gus Edwards, right? Yeah, but, I mean, point. who knows? I mean, knowing the way they like, to, they like to run the ball, they could bring in uh, still a third part, a third back to replace Mark Ingram um, and still get a ton, a ton of touches, touches. So, like, that's where I – like, until I see it, I can't rank him higher because I don't know. It's so much – like, it's not even, like, who's there and who they might bring in. With this offense, they like to, they keep it so balanced throughout their their running back situation in terms of touches. I just don't know. Yeah. And 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 you're both correct. He's by far their most talented running back. That doesn't seem to matter to them though. Well, how long can you turn the other cheek to a a running back who is getting the same amount of touches as everyone else, but producing way more? Yeah. That's a great you know? question, but you know, bring that up with their offensive coordinator because he because we saw that last year, he still didn't ta- you know make any changes. Well, I think one thing to keep in mind with all these you know guys that were rookies last year coming into the season with COVID, they didn't have the same uh, uh, opportunity to prep for the year as sure. a normal rookie would. You know, no training camps. You know, everything done over Zoom. No, you know, didn't get to you know be there in person and be taking snaps. So. A lot of these guys, you know, it was they had to build up through the season, and I think that's another thing to talk about with Cam Akers. You know, he had injuries and stuff like that too, but a lot of these guys, you know, they had to figure out the offense during the season, and so that's why towards the back end of the season, once they kind of had things figured out, um, you start to see them get a little bit more love. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind. You know, these guys that maybe started out slow last year, um, it wasn't because of talent or or anything like that. It's just opportunity and and just getting a hang of the NFL versus the college game. I mean, that's a big leap to take. And when you get zero training camp, it, yeah. to, you know that definitely has an effect on you know these head coaches. Are you going to give this guy the ball that's 
you know, it's his first year's zero reps in practice. I mean, so that's one thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about these rookies next year going into their second year. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I'll ask you this then. So when, when you're evaluating these uh, second-year running backs, are you – so you're going to put a lot of emphasis on, like, their second half of the season then? Yeah, like, for sure. To the first half. I mean, historically, uh, running backs in their second year, they, the good ones even – at least take a leap in their second year. And that's saying that's after know, usually a good a full, rookie season. Yeah, full pretty good rookie season with, you know, all the practices and everything that go along with it. Those guys usually take a leap in the second year. So I think we could really see some of these guys take huge leaps in the second year because they were so limited in the first half of, of this year. I think next year with a full season, full training camp uh, they could really, you know, take big strides because there's obviously some talented guys, you know, like J.K., like uh, Gibson, like Cam Akers. Yeah, that is an interesting point. I mean, literally in my own rankings from rank 12 through 16, so that's five in a row, they're all second-year running backs. Yeah. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Antonio Gibson, DeAndre Swift, James Robinson, Cam Akers. And then I actually have J.K. down at 19, like I said, so it's even a couple more after that, but like, you, it's a great point. You do expect them to all kind of make another jump yeah. forward. And for as you said, like the second half of the season, as you guys were talking about, guys like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift all had big second half of the season. That's when they finally started to really get on a roll. So I could be wrong on all of them, yeah. and you guys could be very well right on J.K. Dobbins on this. It's just figuring out who's going to take that big leap, and I think you have to look at their their teams overall. You know, what's their – philosophy what's their game plan like a guy ver- like jk versus a guy like clyde edwards alaire both really really talented but the chiefs obviously want to throw the ball a lot 50 times a game and they they got you know guys like daryl williams who are still there um that will be coming back from opting out who they'll probably get involved but you know when you look at the ravens they love to run the football Right, that's yeah, their, that's what they their do. focus, and they want to keep Lamar healthy. So if a guy like J.K. can put up six yards a, a carry um, out of their backfield, he could become. You know, this is a guy that could potentially be top five next year, pretty you know easily if, if they figure it out on the offense. And, and Lamar is a real threat throwing the ball. That's well, a big if. Me and Tyler <laughs> were talking about this uh, before the podcast, and I, I firmly believe this. I don't know if you agreed with me or not. That I think that's where a championship is going to be won or lost next season is making the right decision if you have the opportunity between like those five promising second year running backs. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. choose the right one, that's going to be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, because you're probably going to get those guys in the second round more than likely the way mm-hmm. you know drafts are going to go. If you pick up a big guy, a guy who absolutely breaks down the second round or even the third if they drop a little bit farther, I mean that's huge. That's the kind of pick that does win you a championship. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so moving out of the top 12, going to number 13 overall on our consensus was uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, that's pretty much on par with your guys' list. Um, I'm much lower, not a ton, but I have Clyde listed at 18 overall on my list right now. And um, the reason is, kind of I just spoke to it, um, I just don't think Clyde is the main focus in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. I think he's a tool. He's a role player at this point. And um, Daryl Williams is coming back from opting out. Damian. Or, yeah, Damian Williams. All those um, D. Williams on the team. <laughs> Seriously, though. But, yeah, he is coming back. I think he'll have um, a, a role in this offense. How big of a role, we're not sure. But 
obviously a guy that played a pretty big role in their Super Bowl win. Yeah. And um, could have won MVP. And you know, uh, kind of a hometown favorite. Clyde is obviously an exceptional talent, but I had him on my team all year last year. I drafted him in the back end of the first round, and um, overall, it was a disappointing year. I mean, for the expectations versus reality, it was it was disappointing for me. Could he still be a solid RB2 next year? Of course. Um, he still had some big gains. I'm just worried about the usage, and I don't think they use him enough in the passing game. Uh, even though he did have 54 targets, I think he's a guy that could uh, you know, really build on that. Um, still only 181 rushing attempts on the year, 4.4 yards per attempt. It's just his role in the offense. And Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, all those stud receivers, it just worries me overall for the year. I mean, he he literally can be just forgotten about sometimes in the games and just, you know, nowhere. He just disappears. And that's not what I want in my RB1. I want my RB1 to be, you know, the vocal point of the offense. So uh, what do you, you guys are higher on him, so let's hear what you guys have to say. Right. I mean, obviously, I have him, like, right at the back in the RB1, you know, kind of top in RB2 at, at rank 12th. Um, but, I mean, at, you said you, you wouldn't want him as the RB1, but, I mean, even then, you have him do something right as a solid RB2 at, at 18th. Yeah, for you know, sure. So, solid RB2. And, you know, the same argument you made about second-year running backs can be made here because you said, you know, no training camp. So, maybe, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy couldn't come together to make a game plan good enough for him, but with a whole offseason – you know, all the training camp, all training camp OTAs, all that stuff. Maybe he becomes a larger point, and they decide to implement him specifically into the game plan more because they know how talented he is, and it would probably benefit their offense anyways to be a little more balanced. Yeah, I mean that's what you say, but does that's, that's just that what Andy Reid thinks? Because I mean, I mean honestly, Andy Reid's a, a phenomenal play caller. I think he, I think he sees where their, uh, you know, obviously their weak points were in the Super Bowl, which. Most of was on the offensive line. Yeah, if you and if you help out the offensive line, you know, and run the ball a little bit more, make so those guys can't just you know tuck their ears back and absolutely go after Packer Holmes. Yeah. You're only helping your offense. Yeah, Trey, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys said. He, he kind of gives me like he gives me uh, what do they call it? FOMO or whatever, fear of missing out. Yeah, you know, like if I if I saw him in the second round, I would really spend a lot of time thinking about him. Like, man, like should I bring him in? I mean, his, his worst season of the year, or worst finish of the season last year was 44th. It was two bad games. But a majority of the other games, he's finished in top 20. A couple and a couple games mixed in here and there. But, like, this guy obviously has the opportunity. Andy Reid's his head coach, one of the you know best play callers of all time. And there's just, like, so much upside for this guy that you want to take him high. At least I personally do. But then you see how they used him last year, especially from watching games with James. And he had pretty much assume Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be his RB1 and all the frustration coming out of them using different people in different situations and he's he's cooking seven yards of carry and then they bring in Williams you know and all this stuff that, right I'm curious if that's going to happen again and that's why it gives me FOMO I'm just like oh like man I, I really want to be part of this but at the same time like it might really mess up your second round and your whole team chemistry well, really if you yeah, go like that for me like the argument of you know miss not having a training camp is counterintuitive for Clyde because I felt at the beginning of the year they tr really tried to use him a lot more than they did at the back end of the year like towards the end of the year I couldn't even start Clyde you know and and be confident I literally wouldn't even start him because it 
you know, you would, you would finish with either maybe 15 to 20 points or, or nothing or, you know, a couple points. Right. It's, it's really up in the air with Kansas City. I think if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, it's pretty questionable as to if you can start them on a regular basis. And I went through that last year. I'm pretty worried to do that. Like, like I said, when you're wanting this guy to be your RB1, you don't want any question as to his usage and the game plan. You know, you want him to always be part of the game plan. And yeah. for me, I just I don't think Clyde Edwards-Alaire was always part of the game plan. And I think it showed towards the back end of the season. The thing is, I don't think any of us truly ever ranked as an RB1. I mean, at number 12 in the running backs position, that puts him squarely in round two conversation anyways. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I'm sitting, sitting in the second half of the second round, you know, the back half of it, yeah, I'm pretty happy about Cl- you know, picking Clyde Edwards Hilaire there. Yeah. Um, I mean, he finished, I don't know where he finished at last year, but in part of him, like, you know, kind of crumbling towards the end of the season, that could be more just like the inexperience. Yeah, remember, he only played, he was only the number one back at LSU for, for one season, so it's only, you know, they only played 12 games. Yep. And even then, they didn't use him a ton as a runner. He was a much much more of a pass catcher for LSU. So, I mean, give him an extra year and have a little more of that. Well, and that's why what, I was so excited, you know, because he was primarily a cash, you know, pass catcher in, at LSU. So I thought there would be more usage in that realm on Kansas City's offense. But a lot of mouths yeah, know, yeah, yeah, in that I mean, passing game. That's the biggest – that is the biggest thing with, with the Chiefs. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people to feed on that, on that offense, but – and I think it's more when you're only used to playing, you know, from high school to college, only playing 12 or 13 games a year, and all of a sudden you're playing 16 plus the playoffs, that, that you know, it's a breakdown in your body. You're not, your body's just not used to going that long right? kind of a deal. So um, I wouldn't completely hold it against them. I, I, I kind of expect um, Clyde to have a bounce back year. I guess it's not really a bounce back, but come up, you know, from what he did, from what he was at last year. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so let's see. I get back to my list here. Moving on to number fourteen overall on our consensus, we have Antonio Gibson, Washington Football Team running back, receiver hybrid, freak athlete, top three <laughs> running back for twenty twenty one. No. <laughs> um, well, we know what James's keeper is next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm probably higher on Gibson than you guys. I've I've been a a truther on him since um you know the draft last year i think washington as an overall as a team honestly is in a pretty good spot to be pretty threatening with next year if if they can get their quarterbacks yeah, like they don't have out. a quarterback so you know we'll see what happens with Ty- taylor heineke but uh, they did resign him if if he can be you know somewhat consistent um, slightly above average, this team could be pretty dangerous next year with their defense. Um, they have a, a pretty solid offensive line um, and obviously stud receiver and Terry McLaren and a pretty promising tight end. I think there's weapons all over the field. Um, and Antonio Gibson obviously is uh, a freak athlete. And I think this is one of the guys that not having a training camp and not really being a running back in college really hurt him in the beginning of the season. But towards the back end of the season, he was obviously their guy. And J.D. McKissick is still there through next year. He signed a two-year deal. 
So he'll still be there to gobble up receiving targets, but um, I, I think Antonio Gibson will be more of a vocal point next year in this offense. Um, he only had 170 rushing attempts last year. So I think that gets above 200 next year for sure. Um, and I really hope that they get him more involved in the passing game. Only 44 targets last year in the passing game. I think that's underutilized for sure. There were some really nice screen plays that they set up for him where you can just tell, man, he can just bust these at any given moment. And um, so I think, you know, if this offense can figure out their quarterback situation, uh, overall Washington could be threatening in a shitty division in the <laughs> NFC East. And uh, with obviously a stud defense, um, I like Gibson, man. I, I think he could have a huge, huge jump last or next year compared to what he did this last year uh what are your guys' thoughts i think he's highly talented and he's going to be a casualty of their offense <laughs> or he could be their entire <laughs> offense you know I mean, short sweet to the point yeah that's uh i'll be honest i'm a little biased i don't watch a lot of uh the football team's games so i haven't seen a lot of antonio gibson but i just what worries me the most about him is J.D. McKissick being behind him and just completely vulturing all of his uh, receiving um, touches. McKissick had 80 catches last year. Yeah. 80. Which is kind he of missed games last year, too. He was not yeah. the whole season. That's kind of like uh, shows like what kind of offense they were running in a way. But uh, if someone's like hanging around that much that is so dominant in the, in the receiving game, it's, it's just going to continue to hinder him. Um, it is interesting, though, like you said, he... Um, he can be productive, like receiving, like on screens and whatnot. But with JD McKissick just eating up everything, is I wonder if that's just going to uh, lower his ceiling until, um, I guess, until he proves he can take those touches away from him. Yeah, I mean, JD did also have eighty-five rushing attempts on the year, so I think Gibson will eat into that quite a bit on the rushing side. And like you said, J.D. had 80 receptions on 110 targets last year through the air. Yeah. I mean, if, if Gibson can get 30 of those targets, 20 of those targets from McKissick next year, um, yeah, I mean, that could really do wonders for Antonio Gibson overall. They both finished in the top 20 uh, last year. So, you know, they can produce. It's just – can we take a little bit of that usage away from McKissick and give it to Gibson? If that happens, I think Gibson could be a top five back next year. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think I think for me, like, okay, I have to decide on if I'm keeping Gibson or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Basically, Joe Mixon is not conversation too, but for me, I I think Gibson has a clear path to being the vocal point of that offense. And to being a top ten back, then, then uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire does, in my personal opinion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's a very interesting conversation between Gibson and McKissick. So you know, you both like it's surprising they don't give Antonio Gibson more, you know, opportunity in the passing game because he played receiver all four years in college. Yeah, we went to community college and transferred to Memphis. Was receiver all four years, but so was J.D. McKissick. Yeah, J.D. McKissick went to Arkansas State and was a receiver. For four years, right? So it's like they they have they have two running backs that basically do the same thing. Yeah, they're both you know converted running backs who can catch the ball like crazy. Yeah, I think the talent though is obvious. Gibson mm-hmm. compared to McKissick, I mean it, Gibson's a much better running back. 
It is, yeah. but I, and pro- some of that last year probably more the we know McKissick is a great receiving running back, and we don't know completely what Antonio Gibson is. Yeah, um, I think it could also just be like we want to we don't want to give Antonio Gibson everything on the offense because we want to keep him healthy for the entire year. Yeah, so it's a weird back and forth between the two of them, but I do believe that as McKissick is there, everything Antonio like what we saw last year from Gibson is probably the same thing we happen we see this year. Yeah. Because McKissick is there. The second McKissick's gone, Antonio Gibson's the only back, then, like, you know, the sky's the limit for Antonio Gibson. But right now, you know, McKissick's presence definitely hinders. Yeah, you just got to trust that Ron Rivera sees what we see in Antonio Gibson, which I'm sure he does. I mean, that's another thing. First first year head coach coming into last year. Well, I mean, uh, for, for the franchise. Well, for the franchise, yeah. But that's the thing is he's – you know, starting out with a whole new team, he has to establish a culture and, you know, he has to make sure he's putting guys out there that, you know, had been in the NFL before and, and you know, knew the league a little bit. Antonio Gibson was about as raw as they get coming in as a running back, playing receiver all four years, you know. They really had to work him up to that level. And I think they they did an okay job. And I think hopefully next year we see another increase. I think we should. I, I think it'd be stupid not to. I mean – I think the talent speaks for itself. I think he proved that he can play running back in this league. Um, was a great red zone threat uh, for them last year. So uh, once um, – uh, Kizik? No, the other guy that was in the mix, um, there was another Washington running back in the mix. And I can't even think of his name right now, but he was vulturing some red zone targets from, from Gibson at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah, I don't read about I don't even know who he is, but – I forget his name. So what you're saying is you want Riverboat Ron to take a gamble? Yeah, I mean, I think I trust in Riverboat. He's not so much River Point, Riverboat Ron as much as he has been like in his early years in Kansas there in uh, Carolina. Right. I just like the nickname. I think it's awesome. I, I trust Ron to really, you know, see the value in Gibson and and really make him the number one guy next year, hopefully in both the running and passing game. Because uh, Peyton Barber, who you're talking about. Peyton Barber, yeah. He was vulturing red zone targets from Antonio Gibson and, and rushing attempts last year. So he's out of the mix, hopefully. Um, any other thoughts on Antonio Gibson? Nope. I wish I had more. Honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know enough about him. Even last year, I just, you know, you guys brought him up. I didn't know who he was last year. I know. And I, just that's probably, know I probably drafted him too early. I, I drafted him early because I had to make sure he didn't get him. And I trade. I let him trade for him anyways. Yeah, where did you even? Where do you even have him on your list, Trey? You even have him nineteenth? Oh, twentieth. Twentieth. Yeah, I actually 20th. have Cam Akers in front of him. And uh, yeah, so moving on to fifteen. That's a good little segue. Cam Akers was our consensus number fifteen overall rankings, which I think is personally too low. Um, I have him slotted in into my top ten. I had Cam Akers at. No, no, I had a Cam Akers at number eleven overall. Mm. Um, so, but I think Cam Akers definitely has the potential to be a top ten running back next year. I think this is another guy that was a casualty of other guys, more veteran running backs being in the mix, knowing the offense um, throughout the entire season. But I think the the proof is in the playoffs last year for Cam Akers. Um, I think the Rams really showed, okay, this is our guy in, in the playoffs last year. And I think that's a good foresight into what their focus will be next year against the Seahawks. He had a total of 176 yards from scrimmage against the Seahawks, 131 
um, on the ground and scored against the the Seahawks, who at the time were the fifth-ranked run defense in the league. So a uh, really good uh, game there. And then obviously in the NFC Divisional against the Packers, he was pretty much the only the only thing that the Packers couldn't really contain. He put up 90 yards on 18 carries and a score. It was really the only um, threat on the entire Rams offense, um, mostly due to Jared Goff being incapable. <laughs> but <laughs> Jared Goff. But uh, now they have Matthew Stafford. Um, I think a complete offense now with the studs that they got a receiver, solid offensive line. Matthew Stafford is a proven veteran QB. Um, and obviously the defense will allow them to control games um, on the defensive side and get the ball back for their offense. So I think the sky's the limit for Cam Akers. Um, I'm, I'm high on him. I think he could be a top 10 pretty easily next year. Um, we'll see what happens with this Rams offense, but I think, you know, Stafford can step in and, and produce more than Goff from, you know, out right out of the gate. So you guys were lower on him though. So what are your guys thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, the off, the Rams offense as a whole gives a big upgrade going from Goff to Stafford. I think that's, you know, not really a debate by any means. Um, I'm just a little lower on Cameron because I have ranked 16th. Um, our circumstances that was at 15, but only because there's still mouths, other mouths feeding in the backfield. John McVay likes to divvy that up. You know, they still have Daryl Henderson back there. Malcolm Brown's still there. Like, all three guys are back. And even though Cam Akers is the most, you know, talented of the three, and he's shown that as the season went on, McVay's, I feel like, is still going to, you know, divvy up these carries. And he's, he did, he even did the same thing when he had Todd Gurley. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Todd Gurley at the time was, you know, arguably the number one back in the league. So, if he's going to take touches away from Todd Gurley, you know, arguably the number one back in the league, was he with Cam Akers, who's, you know, arguably top ten in the league? You know, it's not the same thing. So, I just, the way I, way I see it going down. Yeah, you, you solidified my ranking with that last part about, McVeigh being willing to kind of turn away an obvious bell cow and turn it into a committee for whatever reason he sees fit. And Cam Akers has proven that he he can be that guy. And McVeigh has even told reporters, but we all know how like this NFL politics game is played, but he believes Cam Akers can be every down back. Yeah. Very skilled, you know, special player is what he says. Is he actually going to do that, though? Yeah, with Malcolm Brown and uh, was it Daryl Henderson, right? Yeah, yeah, those two guys back there. That's the only reason I have him so low. It's someone with so much potential – but there's just so many mouths to feed and a coach that's willing to, you know, spread that ball out to him. So that's why I have him so low. Um, if a couple of injuries happen in their backfield, though, I mean, this guy has a real opportunity right. to have a great season. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the thing. It's just how much work will he get? And the same argument for all these guys that were rookies last year, you know, who's going to take that leap? I think Cam Akers and Gibson are, and J.K. Dobbins are pretty prime for that. But uh, to finish up, maybe let's talk about some guys that didn't make our top 15 that you guys think um, have a shot at maybe taking a big leap next year. Um, Should we just talk about like a few? like two? Yeah, guys? just pick like one or two maybe that you think um, maybe that's your dark horse or that you think is a sleeper for next yeah, year. You know, quit looking at my notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we are all kind of the same boat with this particular running back. Uh, A.J. Dillon yeah. for, for Green Bay. Um, right now I'm ranked 24th and that's really only because I don't know what's happening to Aaron Jones. I believe Aaron Jones is probably gone. 
When he comes back, obviously this whole this whole thing changes. But I think AJ Dillon has the potential to jump into the top fifteen really easily yeah. um, as being the bell cow there because Jamal Williams is also an unrestricted free agent. Yep. So there's a good chance that AJ Dillon comes back by himself with no competition. And I mean, the guy's huge. He's the closest thing to Derrick Henry we've seen since Derrick Henry. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's just built that way. And not saying he's gonna be anywhere near as good, but with how big he is, I mean, he can easily you know jump into the top fifteen status. Yeah, for being the you know company Packers fan, um, I think AJ. Dill- I have AJ Dillon at twenty three right now. My honestly, my honest thoughts are uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams will both not be back next year for the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers, you know, move AJ Dillon into their starting running back spot. And I think they bring in another guy through the draft. I think that's been kind of the the pattern we've seen year in and year out for the Packers. They don't pay running backs. Um, they draft them. And they do a pretty good job drafting running backs. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a later round draft pick go to running back for the Packers. And A.J. Dillon is, is their number one guy next year. And honestly, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think A.J. Dillon proved that he can do that i think if you're talking about a guy that can be a workhorse he's got the body he's got the the skill um obviously a force uh running the ball tough guy to tackle we saw that in the tennessee game you know late in the year when it's cold he you don't want to tackle that guy just like a derrick henry so i think yeah obviously it's yet to be determined what's going to happen in, in the packers backfield but i think there's a pretty good shot he'll be the number one guy next year and um, just because of cap space and what the Packers have to do, um, it could save them a lot of money just using him on a rookie deal as their number one guy and bringing in an, another guy, or maybe signing like a James White, you know, to yeah. to come in and be that receiving back on a cheap deal. Um, how about Trey? Do you have any anybody else from your list that you kind of want to talk about? Yeah, there's a couple guys that kind of mind. Mainly, you guys already know I'm about to bring, I'm about to bring up David Johnson. <laughs> the old Houston Texans, the self-imploding franchise. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's this is a real reach for me, but it's 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 almost a perfect storm when I'm looking at all these circumstances around David Johnson. Uh, he had Duke Johnson as his backup, uh, you know, well-respected pass-catching running back. Obviously, going to eat some of his uh, his passing or his receiving touches. And this is someone who caught 80 passes four years ago. And I know Irby was making fun of me. Oh, it's four years ago. Lots <laughs> yeah. happens in four years. Yeah, you know, yeah a, lot, a lot does happen in four years. But I, I think David Johnson is being supremely like undervalued. He re-signed his contract, so it's a one-year left contract year for him. He has the opportunity to be the bell cow. There, there's no real good. Well, Duke Johnson is back. They they actually restructured. They release him and they restructure the contract to bring him back. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Well, that kind of destroys everything I was talking about. <laughs> so I'm going to move on from that then. The other guy I'm going to bring up, DeAndre Swift. We talked about him a little bit earlier. Yeah. He is 15 on my list. Didn't make it into our consensus. The reason I'm pretty high on him, even though I particularly haven't seen that much film from the Lions myself, is uh, just kind of the same thing I was saying with, uh, with David Johnson, but obviously I was a little wrong about the Duke Johnson thing, is the circumstances <laughs> surrounding his situation. He just got a new offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn. Who did Anthony Lynn coach? Austin Eckler. <laughs> Who's big on Austin Eckler? Me. Okay. So that's why DeAndre it Swift is rising. Okay. DeAndre Swift was drafted by the Lions, particularly for his soft hands and route running skills. Yeah. 
Anthony no. Lynn is I, his offensive coordinator now. I think it's a perfect storm for him, man. Yeah. Like it could be I good. Love it. I uh, like DeAndre Swift. I want nothing to do with David Johnson or anything <laughs> Houston Texans related. But DeAndre Swift um, definitely could could be a, a, a top fifteen guy next year. But I just don't trust the Lions to be a good team. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I, I think the Lions will be awful for at least the next couple of years. And with him being really the only threat. Yeah, and teams are going to game plan around him. Well, they could bring if they franchise Ken, Kenny Galladay, he'll be back, which you know gives you a, a receiving threat. Uh, I'm actually with Trey on DeAndre Swift. I have him ranked 14th in my own list. Um, I think I mean he just proved towards the end of last year that he can be that guy. And now you have Dan Campbell there. I, I feel like Dan Campbell is an old school mentality where he's like he wants a bell cow. He doesn't want a committee thing. And if he's going to have a bell cow, it's going to be DeAndre Swift. There's no one else in that backfield yeah. that could be a bell cow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple more honorable mentions. I think we got to talk uh, James Robinson, um, worthy of, of consideration. I mean, obviously a breakout year last year. Uh, we'll see, you know, what kind of offense they have next year with uh, Trevor Lawrence probably being their quarterback. Um, I'm sure his usage will go down. We'll see if they bring in competition at running back. But he did prove to at least be uh, – you know, usable. I mean, 240 attempts last year, four and a half yards per attempt. Um, he was their bell cow in pretty much their entire offense. So uh, we'll see what happens, but he's definitely worth mentioning. I think another guy um, to mention is Joe Mixon. Um, it, I just, I, I have to see some effort put towards improving their offensive line because as someone who had Joe Mixon on my team last year, I, it was so frustrating to watch those Bengal games and just watch Joe Burrow run for his life. You know, Joe Mixon have zero uh, holes to run through. Um, he pretty much had to fight for everything he got. But he's a talented running back. Um, it's just can they improve their offensive line and their offense as a as a whole? I think their coach uh, Zach Taylor has some proving to do as well. Yeah, some questionable decision making. Um, on their offense last last year, so he's he's an honorable mention. I'm not super high on him just because you know they got a lot of work to do in Cincinnati, but uh, definitely a guy worth mentioning. Yeah, the Jamaican thing is interesting. I feel like this is finally the first year in his career where people are kind of down on him. Like we've been waiting for this, for this, like, this breakout his yeah. entire career it has happened. But watch, because now we're all down on him. He's gonna be the one who pops off. Yeah. yeah, like it's just gonna be—it's gonna be one of those stupid things. That's the way it works. The potential is there, man. That's why I drafted him last year. He's a good back. It's just a bad offense overall, mostly due to because of their offensive line is just garbage. But they have some threats outside a receiver. They have obviously their quarterback. Hopefully, he's you know back from that injury, healthy, and still the same guy, which I think he will be. But um, also, you know. Is Gio Bernard still? He's yes. still he's still there. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. he's still like he, a couple, t- like maybe five touches a game. But another one of those, but another one of those guys that's like a fan favorite in Cincinnati, yep. and they still want to you know give him work. So he seems to be almost like a last resort, though. You use him if you have to, yeah. right? Thing. Like okay, he needs he, rest. I mean, when Joe Mixon got hurt last year, Gio came in and had a couple of decent games. Decent though, it's like yeah, but they, they were like gonna, fle- they were like yeah. flex worthy type games though, you know? Okay, yeah. Uh, the last one I want to mention, um, and I'm curious if they get a quarterback, especially like a Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. How do you guys feel about David Montgomery? He finished 
as the number four overall back last I year. Was, I was going to What? Bring, yeah. yeah, he did. He I'm finished sorry, what? He finished the season, so he won championships for people. Oh, totally. He I mean, I know, the, I know he, had a, he, had, he finished off the season really strong. I didn't know he got all of the number four. Number four overall it's back. Man, and I'm a, fan, I'm a fantasy analyst. I did not. I thought it was like way over my head on that one, man. Jesus. I, I was going to bring this up about David Montgomery, um, not even knowing that you were going to bring him up. I was just going to give a warning, basically, to anyone that's actually listening. And even considering David Montgomery, I, that's someone I would stay away from this year. Tariq Cohen's coming back. And Chicago but is just... But if they get a quarterback? But they didn't have a quarterback last year, and he produced number four. So, I mean... Maybe yeah, was, that, but that I mean, he became their entire offense. If they get a quarterback, that really opens things up for him. Maybe yeah. skill wise, I don't think he's the most talented guy. But you know, I, I'm just looking at his usage right here: 247 attempts, just broke the thousand yard uh, yard mark, but uh, also had 68 targets through the air. This wow. is the type of production. That's Cohen was gone. If if Gibson if Gibson can get this type of production, you know, that's like. Why that's, I'm so that's what you want, Gibson, Gibson, yeah. you know what I mean? Because if he had this type of usage, he would, I think, could easily be a top five, top three guy. Just like David somehow slid into the top five last year. That's crazy. I got one I do want to bring up just to get it on wax here so we can look back <laughs> on it and know how how possibly right I could be about right. this. If Kenyon Drake does not get re-signed to the Cardinals, oh my Chase God. Edmonds. Okay, oh, thank okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were coming back with Kenyon. I was like, dude, you were no, on Kenyon Drake for no. so long last year. It was it, awful. It all depends. Kenyon Drake, his touchdown saved me last year. Yeah. He was a worthy RB2 for me. But <clears throat> Chase Edmonds, he's just extremely impressive. Kingsbury has said himself, and like I said before, who knows if these coaches are playing politics, but he believes I could be every down back. Kenyon Drake, unrestricted free agent. Now you got Chase Edmonds back there, who's already just – Stealing so many fantasy points from Kenyon Drake every single game. And he, he, people think he's like not that good of a rusher. And maybe it's because he has a lighter load every game. But this guy, uh, two years ago, averaged 5.1 yards a carry. Last year, 4.6. Like, I, I think if he gets a bell cow roll on the Cardinals, that could be crazy. Such a good late-round pickup for somebody. Like, I agree. I was on Chase Edmonds last year thinking that he would continue to take carries more and more away from Kenyon Drake. It didn't quite happen. Um, but I think you're absolutely. I think Chase Evans has the talent to be that guy. Yeah, if, if Drake doesn't come back, what's what's really going to stop him? Besides, obviously, the we'll see what happens in free agency in the draft. But right. if he comes out kind of just alone in that running back room, it's going to look really good for him. Sure. Well, that's why whispers of Aaron Jones going to Arizona have emerged. But that'd be that'd be quite the landing spot. That would <laughs> that, that offense would be scary. Yeah, it really would. Well, I think that'll wrap up the show. That's the show. That's the show. That's the show. So check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, all the other bullshit. (laughs) Wherever you get your podcast. (laughs) And uh, we'll we'll, uh, be coming out with some episodes to focus on receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends um, in the near future. Obviously, uh, do a rookie show after the draft. And, uh, yeah, get all set up for next year. Yeah, then we really get going. So uh, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.